0: Good morning. So good to have you with us. Now, we are in the midst of a, uh, a theme for this month called Fresh Air. Now, today, I want to talk to you about fresh fire. All right? Fresh fire. You look at that picture, you immediately get an idea of where I'm coming from when we talk about fresh fire. Is that picture on? Yes. Great. Now, uh... Now, we talk about being born for more because that's the tagline for the International Network of Churches, all right? Born for more. Now, I don't want that tagline to just, you know, come off glibly off our tongues uh, and not mean anything. This morning, I want us to grapple with this. I was telling the team in the morning before the service began, um, before the service began, before people came, I said, I purposely wore this T-shirt. Now, if you can see, I don't think you can see, it says here, Encounter. And I think I chose this T-shirt this morning because this is what I desire in my heart. That we don't get by our Christian life uh, on on taglines, on tag lines, on... Um, on words that people say carelessly, you know, we get so used to some things that we say as Christians. But I, I want us this morning to come to a place of encounter, and I want, what I want to do really is to look at an encounter that a great man of God had. When we think of this man, we think of, wow, I mean, he's my Old Testament hero, all right, He's my Old Testament hero. And I want us to look at this, taking the reading from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. Now, I'm not going to read every verse. I'm just going to skip here and there so that you understand. Let me quickly tell you uh, the background. Here is Moses. And Moses is old. He's an old man now. He's about 80 years old. He had run away from Egypt. He was a prince of Egypt. And then, he came into trouble because he murdered somebody out of a fit of anger because that Egyptian was ill-treating a, a slave, a Hebrew slave. And Moses, um, aware of his own background that he was really actually a Hebrew uh, that was, that, that, that was uh, adopted by the household of Pharaoh, um, uh, felt for the Hebrew slave. And so in a fit of anger, Moses murdered the God that was ill-treating him, and then he ran away as a fugitive at the age of forty, and now he's been in the desert for forty years. All right, uh, he has married, now settled. He's an old man. And then he's—he's he's now a person who tends sheep. He's a shepherd, all right, in the backside of a desert. And so we take it up, Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. One day Moses was tending the flock. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go. And see it. I must go and see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father. Verse 7. Then the Lord told him, I have seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. Verse 10, Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And God answered him, I will be with you. Let me look at chapter 4, all right? Verse 1. But Moses protested again. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? And the Lord asked him, what's that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground. The Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. And Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, Reach out, grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it and he turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been and I'm not now. I get tongue tied and my words get tangled. But God said this to him, now go. I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you what is and what you should say. All right. Now this was a time that turned Moses' life around. Here was a man who's 80 years old. He has left his old life behind. He has adapted to this new life and This seemed like another very ordinary day, but it, it wasn't. It seemed like an ordinary day, but it wasn't. It was a defining moment for Moses. You see, church, God had Moses exactly where God wanted him to be. This was the point, all right? God was ready to use Moses now after 40 years. But before he could use him, God had to break him first. Only after breaking, God could use him. How did God break him? All the things that Moses relied on and depended on in his life, everything that he thought was important, God had to strip away one after another. God had to strip away everything from him. The things that he relied on, the things that he depended on, the things that he leaned on. God had to remove one by one. What did God remove from him? God removed him from his family, didn't he? God removed him from his family. He had two families. One, his real mother and sister. And they had to give him up because there was a bloodbath in Egypt. Pharaoh was killing all the males below a certain age, and, 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 and so Jacob, his mother, had to give him up, and his sister was with her, and they put him in a basket and sent him down the Nile River, and, 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 and it so happened, and this was God's plan, that the daughter of Pharaoh came across this basket floating down the river, and she opened it, and there was a baby inside, and she took the child, and she adopted him, and he became her son in the palace, in Pharaoh's palace. Now, this was a child that was supposed to have been murdered, but God preserved his life because God had a plan for him. And so he grew up in the palace of Pharaoh as a prince of Egypt. So he had two families, one his own real mother and then his adopted mom, right? But God had to remove him from his family. God had to remove Moses from the grandeur of Egypt. Now, Egypt was... The supreme empire at that time. It was far ahead in, in, in its civilization, in its technology, and all of that. In fact, there's technology that the Egyptians, um, um, uh, Egyptians perfected that even until today, people can't replicate. They, could, they, could make, they, they, could, they took gold, and they could make gold into different colors. And that is something that people cannot replicate even today. But the Egyptians had that technology. They were far ahead of their time. And Moses was not a slave like the other Hebrews. He was a prince of the palace. And he had access to the grandeur of the the kingdom. But God had to remove him from all of that. God had to remove Moses from his temper. He was a man of, 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 of violent temper. He killed an Egyptian guard. And then he had to run for his life and God had to remove him from his temper. God had to remove Moses from the learning of Egypt. I told you they were far ahead of every other civilization. And, being, and having been brought up in the palace of Pharaoh as Pharaoh's grandson, Moses had access to the best learnings of the land, education. And God had to remove him from all of that. And here we find that he's now nothing but a shepherd, an old shepherd. All that learning, God had to take away so that God had him here at this place. And then God had told Moses, Moses, remove your shoes. God had to take that also because Moses, he had his shoes In the desert, there were stones and rocks and all of that. and, And God had to tell him, look, you have been walking your own way. You have been living your own life. Take it off now. Take off your shoes because you're standing on my ground. You are in my turf. You are in my territory. The ground you're standing on is holy. And Moses suddenly realized that he doesn't dictate now because he is in God's turf. God had to remove Moses' staff. Now, that staff meant a lot to Moses, all right? That was the staff that he used to walk up that rocky trail. Sometimes it's hard, so he needed the staff. He also used the staff as he shepherded the sheep, and he needed the staff to to guide the sheep on the right trail. Some sheep would go astray, and he would take the staff, and he would guide the the sheep. Uh, That was the staff that he would use to chase away um, wild dogs and wild animals that would come for the sheep. That was the staff that he was dependent on. And as an 80-year-old man, he would probably need that staff also little bit. Maybe not as a tongkat, but you know, sometimes in that uneven ground, he would need that for stability. And so he depended on the staff and God says, throw that staff down. And Moses threw that staff down and the staff turned into a snake. And he had a shock of his life. The Bible says he jumped back. Now, these are things that happen. Sometimes the things we depend on, the things that we think are good for us, the things that we think that these are the things that are helping me in my life, when we are ready and willing to throw it down before God, we, we find out that they are not the things that we expected, actually. That the moment we throw it down, we hear the hiss of the serpent. Because those things are the things that have hindered us from seeking more of God. And then we find that God removed Moses from his youth And his vigor. We read a story like this and we wonder: wouldn't it have been better if God met him when he was much younger? Then at least he had, you know, his youth with him to do the things. But God had to remove that from Moses because God knew that now is the right time for him. And I'm speaking to you as a church. There are many of us who are older and we feel that let the young people do it, let the young people do it, all the the energy, we are old. Let me tell you, sometimes God calls us when we are much older. Because sometimes, for some of us, maybe our youthfulness is what, what gets in the way. Sometimes. Our youthfulness gets in the way. Again, to my young people here, the Bible says, let no one look down on you because you're young. I wish I could be like you right now. Young, energetic, ready to go. But we all have seasons. And you know, every season where God meets us, whether we are young or old, it's the right season. For Moses... This was it. This was it. All right? This was Moses' Kairos moment. It was his God moment here at the age of 80. Everything stripped away. He was down to nothing. No longer a prince of Egypt, now a shepherd, an unknown shepherd in the backside of the desert. And then God looks at him and God says, he's ready. I'm ready to use him. I want to ask you, are you ready for God to use you? Maybe you have doubts. You see, Moses had doubts. All right, we read that. Moses had doubts. He asked, who am I? Who am I that I should lead the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I to see Pharaoh? Who am I? He, he had forgotten that he was a prince of Egypt. He's come to this point where he, he, he no longer knows who he is. He no longer knows. He's no longer hung on to that identity of who he was. And then he asks, who are you? Doubts. Who are you? Who should I say send me if people were to ask me? And then he says, what if the people don't listen? What if they don't believe me? And then he asks, how can I? speak. I'm not good at speaking. I, in fact, even now my words are tangled, all right? Now maybe we feel that like that. I, I know I have, and I do very often. I, I don't always feel, you may see me stand up here and I look confident, but I'm not. Before I come up, there are butterflies in my stomach every time I come up to preach. i'm never very confident no but i would want to trust god like how what god told moses go because i will be with you i will give you my words and i'm believing god for that even for today right the doubts will be there how can i be used I don't know the Bible very well. I'm a young Christian. How can I be used? I'm old already. My best years are over. How can I be used? I'm too young. How can I be used? I am not very gifted like that person or this person. How can I be used? Who am I? These are questions that we need to ask, yes, but they are good answers. We need revelation to these questions. See, Moses knew where he was when God called him Moses, Moses. Moses said, here I am. He knew where he was. He was, As far as he was concerned, he was in the backside of a wilderness with sheep. He knew where he was, but he didn't know who he was. He didn't know who he was. And it's important for us to know this question. Who are you? What are you? But more importantly, the real question we need to ask is this. Moses did not know whose he was. Whose he was. If people ask me, who should I say sent me? God called him by name, Moses, Moses. Twice. Who shall I say sent me? He didn't know whose he was. And he didn't know what his purpose was. He was completely clueless. As far as he was concerned, that was a lifetime ago, what happened in Egypt. I'm now comfortably settled as a shepherd in the backside of a desert. That's what I'm here for. Leading sheep. Not very spectacular, but that's what I'm here for. He didn't know what his purpose was. But this encounter that Moses had, when there was fire from the burning bush, and he was drawn to that fire, and then he hears the voice of God calling him from the fire. That encounter changed Moses, changed him. And in many ways, as what Ross Abraham mentioned last week, it brought... Moses into alignment with his assignment it brought Moses into alignment with his assignment now that is the story of Moses I I just want to now look at okay, great story what has this to do with me so what, okay I, I read this story, I've read this story before so what so what So I'm going to talk about Fresh Fire and me, Fresh Fire and you, all right? What has this story to do with us? What has it to do with us today? Why am I wearing a t-shirt that says Encounter? Because this is what it's about. Listen, about 20, exactly 20 years ago in 2002, there was a book that came out in the market, written by a man called Rick Warren, and that book is The Purpose Driven Life. How many of you have read this book? very few of you. Listen, those of you who have never read this book, please go get one. Read it. 35 million copies sold. I know it says 32 there. It has gone up another 3 million. 35 copy, million copies sold. Best seller. It has appeared uh, in the New York Times, has appeared in Time Magazine, Rick Warren, because this book challenged so many people, including non-Christians. But I like the first chapter. The first chapter starts off like this. What on earth am I here for? That's the first chapter. What on earth am I here for? And I want to ask this question to each one of us. What on earth are you here for? Every one of us. Brother Engbud, what on earth are you here for? Wernie, what on earth are you here for? Each one of us, this question comes to us. Because until we understand this question, we are going to be wandering around the backside of our own deserts, doing something that we were never meant to do. What on earth am I here for? And in in that book, Rick Warren says this, and I'm going to read this quote. I hope it comes out on the screen. Being successful... And fulfilling your life's purpose are not at all the same thing. You can reach all your personal goals, become a raving success by the world standards, and still miss your purpose in this life. I like that. Sometimes we think I've made it because I'm successful. I got got my promotion. I'm earning well. I got that car that I wanted. I've managed to get a good house. I've got a good wife. I've got great children. I've got everything that anybody in this world would want. I'm okay. Well, that's in your eyes. You're okay. You know, in my own experience, I was so aware from a very young age, that God wanted me to shepherd a church. I, I, I don't know why, but I just sensed that when I was a very, very young boy. Even before I became a Christian, I mean, I used to follow my mom to church and all of that, and I was one day, one day. And then when the one day came, I didn't want it at all. And I kept running from God, running and running from God until God caught up with me. I had my own Kairos moment that God had to catch up with me. But in the meantime, I gave all kinds of excuses. Oh, I will serve you. I will serve you. Even as an elder in the church, even as a pastor in the church, Without really uh, giving everything. I would still have a business. I will run my business. And my business was successful. My career was successful. Business was successful. I started earning uh, good money. The family was comfortable. And everything was, in a sense, going my way. But deep down inside, there was no fulfillment. Deep down inside, there was this question what on earth am I here for? This? Yeah, I got everything I wanted. I had a good car, I bought a house, children are good, wife is fantastic, everything is good. Able to go for holidays and all of that. But it's this it? There was an emptiness. There was something I knew I was missing out on something because I wasn't really doing what God asked me to do and God meant for me to do. I wasn't in my sweet spot. I wasn't in the place where I was meant to be. I was trying my best to justify, I need this so that I can do this. Uh, But that wasn't what God wanted me to do. And that's why Rick Warren said, You can reach all your personal goals, become a raving success by the world standard, and still miss your purpose in life. There are four critical questions that we need to answer. Okay? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Are you a student? Are you a businessman or a businesswoman? Are you a homemaker? Are you an employee in some company? Are you a teacher? Are you an engineer? Are you a systems analyst? Who are you? Could I gently say that you're none of those? You're first and foremost a child of God that God has called personally. Like how God called Moses by name. Moses, Moses. God has called you by name. So you're first and foremost someone whom God has called, who happens to be a teacher or a systems analyst or an engineer or a businessman or a businesswoman. That is what you are in, you're doing. But that's not your main calling. Second question we need to ask, whose are you? Do you belong to your company? Do you belong to the boss who hired you? Or do you belong to the Lord? Many of us would do anything for our company because they are paying us. Listen, we're getting it wrong, church. We're getting it wrong. We don't belong to our boss or to our company. We belong to the one who called us by name. Come on. We belong to the one who called us by name. That's who we belong to. Whose we are. Not just who we are. Third question. Why you are called? We need a revelation. Why? What on earth am I here for? Why did God call me? For what end? To what purpose? To what end was I, have I been called? And as long as this question remains unanswered, you will never find fulfillment in your life. Let me tell you that. Trust me. You will not find fulfillment. As long as this question remains unanswered. Why did you call me? Why did you call me? And only when you answer that question can you answer the next question. Okay, so what do you need me to do? What do you need me to do? You can't ask this question without having the third question answered, isn't it? Why did you call me? He says, okay, Stephen, I called you to shepherd the church. Okay of course my excuses are there like, 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 like Moses, why me who am I, all that those, those questions I did ask God but then my question is okay Lord, what do you want me to do next yesterday's Crave conference another one of the screensavers said this note to self I like this God has placed me in my campus for a reason for students, huh God has placed me in my campus for a reason. Note to self. For a reason. Note to self. God has placed you in your company for a reason. Note to self. God has placed you in this family for a reason. Note to self. God has placed you to be a parent to these children for a purpose, for a reason. Note to self. God has placed me in this church for a reason. Note to self. And I want to challenge you this morning to write down a note to self and remind yourself that you're here for a reason and a purpose. It look, I'm looking in this room and I, and, I, and I hope none of you think this way, but I got nothing All Already done, ma, when I was younger. Nothing left. If there's nothing left, I promise you you will die. <laughs> Honestly, because you've done, ma finished already? Finished, God will call you like okay, done, you've done. Come home. You're finished. Right? But you're still here. Something is left unfinished. Can we get this? Not done, not over. That's why you're here. So? Note to self, what is my purpose? You know, Ephesians 2.10 tells us this, and this is Dinesh's favorite verse, I think. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things He has planned for us long ago. Some version says the good things that He had planned in advance for us. Before you were, God had already planned. God had already planned for Moses to be here at this point at the age of 80 in front of the burning bush where God is beginning to talk to him and said, okay, now you're ready for the next phase of your life. But God had planned for this while he was in the baby in that basket floating down the river Nile. If not, he could have gone. Pharaoh's agenda was to kill all the male babies and And Moses would have gone, but God preserved this one child for this moment, 80 years later. Isn't that amazing? He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so that we can do the things that He had planned for us in advance. Now You may think that I'm already 60 plus, and so nothing left. But let me tell you, God had already planned for you something in advance. This moment, now, now, still got things left. If not, as I said, gone lah, finish already, up, go. God will say, come home. You're done. But the fact that I still have breath, I still have my life. God isn't done with me. God isn't done with me. We are God's masterpiece. I love that picture. You know, a a great artist, when he starts to chisel a piece of rock or a piece of slab of marble, he already has in mind what the thing is going to look like, what the sculpture is going to look like. He already has it in mind. Before paint hits canvas, the artist already knows what it would look like, what the final piece would look like. And then the work begins. The chiseling begins. The brush strokes begin. And sometimes it doesn't look very nice. It looks like, what is this? It doesn't look very much. But the artist isn't done yet. But when he finally does it, it's a masterpiece. But the artist already knows. God already knows when He looks at your life. What He has in mind for you. If you comply and you, you, you cooperate... If the brush strokes cooperate, if the canvas doesn't absorb too much of ink but cooperates and it's it's in good condition, if the if the rock doesn't suddenly crack in half and fall apart um, because it doesn't cooperate, I, if it cooperates, you come out a masterpiece. All right. So I want to end with this: God is ready to encounter you now not tomorrow not next year not when you get your promotion not when you get married not not when you finish your exams and finish and get your degree god wants to encounter you now today but you know every encounter with god is disruptive it is disruptive for moses it was disruptive it will be disruptive for anybody who comes into an encounter with God. Coming into an encounter with God is an uncomfortable thing, let me tell you this. Sometimes we think, oh, God's presence, thats that comfortable? It's not. It's uncomfortable. Because God and us, we normally want two different things. God wants something, we want something else. That's our natural tendency. So it's uncomfortable and it's disruptive. When God encounters us, He may ask us to give up our dreams. He may ask you to give up our ambitions. He may ask you to give up a certain relationship. He may ask you to give up a certain hobby. He may ask you to give up certain things that for you, this is important to me. I want to hang on to this. This is my staff. God says, throw it down. And when He throw it down, you suddenly see a serpent. Because that's the thing that's been holding you back. That's the thing that's been sabotaging God's plans in your own life. Every encounter with God is disruptive. Are you prepared to have your life disrupted so that you can embrace God's purpose and plan for you? But that's the only way you're going to find fulfillment, let me tell you that. Okay, that's the only way. So if you stop fighting God this morning and say, okay, God... I bow before you and I hear you from through the fire the bush the burning bush all right I hear your voice I hear you calling me I know what this means you want to strip away everything because the fire of God will refine you of everything that holds you back everything that holds you back it will refine you the things that you thought are important the things that you thought you cannot let go those things the fire of God will refine you. It will strip away everything so that you have nothing left to lean on except God. And when you're ready, when you come to that point of your life and you have nothing else to lean on except God, then you're ready. But not before that. Okay? So before that, be prepared for more disruptions. But That's the way God works, yeah? But the key to it all is this church, Listen. It is hungering after God and after your purpose in life. That's the key. Because Moses saw the burning bush and he could have easily said, huh, interesting, and walk his way. But he was curious and he says, let me go near and say, what is this amazing thing is this? That the bush would burn without burning up. And so his curiosity and his hunger to know more about the bush drew him There, and then he had that encounter. He had that moment with God. There must be a hunger. There must be a desire so that you find your purpose, God's purpose for you. If you don't have that, let me tell you what happens. You will miss God's plans. Even though God has called you, you you will miss God's plans. Many people in the Bible, we read that. God called and they stepped into it for a while and then their plans became more important and they missed out. People like Samson, for example, we read of this in the scriptures. And there are many Christians whose lives have gone that way. The key is hungering after God, hungering for God's purpose in our lives. It doesn't matter how young you are. I'm looking at people like Isabel. It doesn't matter how much older you are I will be very kind and just say, like, people like me. It doesn't really matter. But the fact that we are still here means that God isn't done with me. So are you ready to encounter God? Or oh, are you quite comfortable the way you are? Because you can go through life this way. God will not force you, but you will just miss out on God's purpose. And you will live your life doing what you've been doing all the while, working so hard, getting just enough, give your family, and then needing to work again so hard get enough to give your family, working so hard, get enough, give your family, work so hard, get enough, get family, and end of the year, pay tax, and then work so hard, and then finally, after all that, you die. It's a horrible life to have. I want some purpose, I want some meaning, I want some excitement, I want an adventure, and God has all that wrapped up, ready for you to step into. But you need to come to Him and say, Lord, I hear you. What do I need to do? What is my purpose? What do I need to give up so that I can hold on to you? You know, Moses threw down his rod, it became a serpent, and then God says, pick it up again. Sometimes God tells you, okay, now that you're ready to give up, I I actually wanted to use you here in your company. I wanted to use you here as a mom or as a dad. Pick it up again. And when Moses picked it up, after that you read in the Scriptures, it's no longer called the staff of Moses. It's called the rod of God. Because he had given it up. And then God says, okay, now you're ready to pick it up again. It's no longer the staff of Moses. It now becomes the rod of God, and God used Moses and his rod to do great things. All right? But firstly, you need an encounter with fresh fire. And I'm going to challenge you this morning. And those of you listening online, God is there in the room with you. And God is encountering you this morning, and He wants. You to come to Him. Are you ready to have your life disrupted? Are you ready to embrace your calling and your purpose? Because God has called each one of us by name. He didn't call Moses, hey, hey, you over there. He called him Moses, Moses by name. And God calls us each one of us by name. Each one of us. He has a tailor-made purpose. Each one of us. And he's the master artist ready to take our lives. It may, be, it may be, as far as you're concerned, it may be a nothing life. Moses thought that he became a nothing. And when he was a nobody, God could use him. When he says, who am I, what am I, where will the people? Then you're ready, Moses. You're ready now. Stephen, you're ready now when you think you're a nobody then I can take you and I can use you and I can hold you up to the world and say, this is what I can do when someone gives their life to me. This is what I can do. God wants to do that with your life. Father, we come to you, Lord. You see your people. That Lord, they've come to you. They really want you, Lord, to give them revelation as to why you called me. Why you called me them by name. What is your purpose? To what end are we to live our lives for? What have you called us to do? What have you called us to be? Lord, we, sometimes we wonder who we are, but remind us of whose we are. That we don't belong to the people who, who deposit money in our bank account every month. We don't belong to them. We belong to the one who called us by name. We are not a faceless person to you. Because you have already prepared the works for us in advance so that we could step into it and become your masterpiece. Lord, we want to live that kind of life. We don't want to be walking around, trudging around in the backside of a desert, Lord. We want to be the people who who you use to open up Red Seas. People whom you use, Lord, to do great things for you. Because you have already prepared these things for us in advance. We do not, we do not want to waste our lives. We want to be people who live our lives to the full for you. That is what you have called us, Lord. You said you've given us life and life in all its fullness. A full life. Isn't the kind of life that we, that we have right now, just walking around in circles, earning a daily wage or monthly wage. Lord, there's more to it. We were born for so much more. So Lord, we pray that this morning, even as we stand before you, that Lord, there will be a real encounter in our spirits that you'll begin to deposit, Lord. Precious, precious, precious revelation. Of what you want us to do. What our assignments are. So that we can bring ourselves in alignment with your assignments. And so Lord, right now. Even as we stand before you, we pray God that the love of the Father. That we would be drawn to the love of the Father. And we would understand that despite the fact that we think we are nobody. But Lord, it is your grace that has reached out to us. And reminded us that in your eyes. We matter. In your eyes, we are valuable. And then Lord, may we step into the power of the Holy Spirit so that Lord, that power would release us to live a life of purpose for your glory. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen.